Ghost in the Tank is a unique fruit that magically transforms flavor. Another dude stealing my hair. <laughs> hey, Sharks, I'm Giuliano. And I'm Hank. We're from Santa Monica, California, and we're looking for $80,000 in exchange for 15% of our business. It tastes like candy. Hold on, what kind of a berry makes a lemon taste like candy? Nature's wild berry. Just chew this berry, and it'll turn anything sour, tart, even fermented, sweeter than sugar. That sounds like a magic wizard right, Now give it up, give super claps for super entrepreneur, super Hank, and super Juliana. Woo! Welcome. Welcome. Woo! Welcome. How you guys doing <laughs> Thank today? you. Better now. Better. <laughs> I know it's been a little while since we've gotten to, uh, you know, it took a while to get on the, the schedule and everything. So I'm glad that you guys are finally here. Both of you are here. Now, Hank, you've been a channel uh, fan, a, a super entrepreneur for like a year. At least a year. That is, oh, I got to ding the bell for that. That is absolutely incredible. Every single episode, every single video, Joe. Every and I, you know, I haven't been able to put out videos lately. This video will be going up um, probably Tuesday, uh, this upcoming Tuesday, from when we record it. And I, I just haven't had a chance because it's summertime. The kids come home. The kids come home, and it's 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 pool time. It's you know doing the things. There are swim lessons right now, and and there's just, just so much going on. I just have not had time to do anything outside of these interviews. So I'm I'm really glad uh, that you you enjoy the channel and you've gotten to to learn and and, and be active in the in the super community. So thank you for that, Hank. Uh, well, you know everything back at you, Joe, because you're the one who's leading this this entire channel. And I just I also love following the comments that you post on your other like your social like your personal social, just because it's a running theme, you know, and I just I just love that uh, no matter what negativity gets thrown your way, you have positivity to throw back. And that's why I just love uh, being a part of the community. You know, oh, well, thank you. I do try my best. Uh, you know, look, everybody comes people come around. They just sometimes they just got to watch a couple episodes. It's not quite what they're expecting. And that's that's OK. It, it opens the door to so many more people and they're all every everybody is welcome. Then, uh, you know, so it's uh it's it's an honor to get to serve people from all over the world, and and it's just awesome that you. So when you found the channel, were you already a fan of the of this channel or channel, or were you already going, uh, getting ready to go on Shark Tank, or how did that happen? Can I it jump did. in real quick? Oh yeah, go for it, I gotta say, uh, I Hank was um, saying he was watching your channel. I remember a long time ago before we got on Shark Tank, he was like, "Yeah, I see this guy," and I'm like, "Oh yeah, that's cool, it's cool," and he goes. He's going to interview us. And I go, oh, yeah? And he goes, yeah, he's going to interview us. And I go, oh, did you schedule something with him? Because, you know, Hank's such a social guy. And he goes, no, we're going to be on Shark Tank. And when we're on Shark Tank, we're going to get a deal. And he's going to interview us afterwards. And I'm like, okay. And here <laughs> we are. He predicted it. So. It's like <laughs> Like Babe Ruth, you know, Joe. Yeah. Babe Ruth. <laughs> <laughs> he's been he's been in the news a lot because of that Oten, uh, Otani uh, potential deal, like because he's the pitcher slash batter guy, uh, and and you know because it's like you know, people comparing Babe Ruth's numbers to his numbers and uh, and all that. So that's kind of that's a good reference there. Yeah, man. Well, uh, you have to in, in entrepreneurial land, you're always. Uh, predicting what you want to have happen. And so, yeah, I've been a fan of the show actually before we got to notice that we'd be on. Um, I think that the breakdowns are awesome. I love um, 
uh, getting a chance to feel like I'm understanding where the entrepreneurs are coming through uh, from, I mean, in the uh, interviews that you do. And uh, I think that those that's pure gold, not not just the breakdown of your reaction to the show on the night of. But I think the interviews have so much nugget to learn from. You know, I think it's and I don't think anyone has interviewed more Shark Tank entrepreneurs than than yours truly out there. So. I, yeah, I don't know. I know there was a couple of ding ding, but I, I know there was a couple of uh, entrepreneur Shark Tank shows. I know there's a few out there now. One, uh, one by Joe from uh, Flex Screen is doing a show as well, and I want to say there's at least one or two other ones that I know of uh, that are doing it. But, um, but yeah, I mean, they, look, people reach out to me. I, I don't particularly have a ton of time to to do all these, or I would just be doing them all the time. And um, so, I, it's an honor that that you got, you know, you guys specifically but every shark tank entrepreneur reaches out uh and wants to come on the show and and i give an hour a week to to do you know dedicated to this to uh to to help other entrepreneurs figure out like what you know the deeper in-depth knowledge that comes with going on the show so speaking of that what were you guys feeling when you were walking out on uh onto the carpet there through the hallway oh boy Juliana, you go. You, you tell him first. So I'll tell you, walking wasn't uh, wasn't that bad. Um, it was it was waiting to walk. That was the uh, <laughs> it was that suspense of knowing. Okay, I'm about to walk in and look at everybody, and it, it it's going to start. And I could run away right now if I if I wanted to. I could just run. <laughs> I don't have to deal with this. I can I can leave now. You know, it's it's scary. It's a scary feeling, you know, to uh to, to sit there and and face potential success. And you know, it's it's kind of cliche to say, but that saying that there's a fear of success, it's very real. And I've encountered a lot of people who've, you know, looked success in the face and been too scared to grab it because it's it's real. It's like, okay, I'm I make it now. Now I make it. And there's a whole slew of problems. I'm successful. I have money. I have this. I have that. And, um, you know, it, it seems like the dream, but it becomes a reality very quickly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you, you definitely have to be able to, uh, to stare it in the face. And uh, I, I, but, but I don't know. I mean, a lot of people have said that they're walking down. They're like, I blacked out. Like, I just, like, no, like, shut by down the time I was walking, that's a hundred. Well, when I walked, I shut down. You're looking at everybody. I just remember looking when I first got on there. I'm looking at all the sharks, and uh, I wanted to work with Mark so bad that uh, I just couldn't look at him. I'm like, I can't look there <laughs> because that's it's crazy. I can't even believe he's sitting there. I can't look at him. So I looked at everybody else but him. And, uh, and sure enough, as soon as I walk in, he says something right about me. Ah, another guy stealing my hair. <laughs> I don't know if he's talking to me. I don't know if he's talking to Hank. But I, I just. Oh, he's definitely he's talking, talking about you. you. Yeah, he's definitely talking uh, about you. <laughs> so, I'm sitting there I'm like, oh, geez. You don't hear it in there, but I, I go, uh, you did it. You wear it better. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, he had long hair, right? I, I, I believe he, he had long hair when he was a teenager. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, <laughs> flattered by that. But, uh, yeah, intense. Hank, how are you feeling? You know, you know, Joe, it was about it felt like forever, but it was a few minutes while we were just standing there with the door closed. And I remember not being able to swallow because I had no saliva left in my mouth. And then I started asking for water, but I couldn't speak because my my mouth, my vocal cords, everything just went on strike. It was like 
pressure is too too intense. So Giuliano's like, emergency water. We got to get some water real quick. And so I uh, I took a like five big swigs, and then they were like, don't worry, we've got water out. Um, it's going to be underneath the table right there. You can take it anytime. We won't show it on air. Just whenever you need water. So that made me feel better. And then Giuliano and I have a list, little saying that we like to say, which is a series of fortunate events instead of a series of unfortunate events. And so I just like that was my little mantra that I was repeating to myself as it seemingly took forever for them to open up the doors. But like Giuliano said, once it opened and we started walking and I kind of bumped into him like on that first step, I was like, OK, he's he's right next to me. We got this together. And then. uh <laughs> Yeah, and we pra- you know we practiced that pitch probably a million times, so we knew what to say and we knew how to do it. Yeah, I mean, so when uh, when it comes to the the sharks, you you had uh, Mark in mind that that you both wanted to work with Mark. We actually had both. We actually had both Mark and Lori. We were prepared for anything. We actually talked in it like well in advance of. You know, any shark, uh, what would the deal be for the maximum and minimum that we'd be willing to do? But um, we definitely dreamed during that process. And our dream was to have Mark and Lori. Oh, wow. Well, that, you know, I, you got you to gotta be dreaming, right? And uh, oh, yeah. that's, that's a big part of being able to project into what, you know, the reality can become. And, uh, and here, you know, I mean, the uh, it's funny, too, because, well, so the way that it was portrayed was like, well, you know, if Mark wants to come in and then you guys are like, you got a deal, right? Like it, you guys seize that moment. Is is that really how it played out in, in reality? Or is that like, was there a bunch of stuff cut out in between? Well, the- there's always a bunch of stuff cut out for sure. I mean, like like everyone knows, it's a 50-minute hour plus, you know, meeting there uh, for the entire pitch. And, and we got to show about nine minutes on air. So there's a lot that's cut out, but um, – I actually was prepared to do a lot more selling as a talker. It seemed like we got done um, selling probably within about 20 minutes or, or less, actually. And then the negotiations are what lasted the longest, probably like 30 minutes or more. And so, uh, you know, as Mark's, he likes to kind of wait until the very end. He likes other sharks to build value and then create a little bit of urgency with that shot clock thing. And then um, he likes to feel the entrepreneurs out in my in my opinion he likes to see how they react and respond to a little bit of like curveballs thrown at them or the first initial pitches that that in our case um kevin and and damon threw out there but uh jay what was your thought about how it ended so uh, all i know is um lori made the deal and I, i really wanted to work with her so i was ecstatic when she said hey you know i threw you a deal what do you want to do and I literally was just assuming that, oh, listen, Mark is too big. He's too he's too much of a behemoth to just, you know, want to work with us. So I, I guess he's out. He's not saying anything. I don't even want to try and disrespect him and say, hey, Mark, anything. I just felt like, you know, leave uh, leave the greatness alone. You know, I don't know. I'll just be I'm happy with Lori. I wanted her anyways. So I was about to open my mouth and go. Lori, you got a deal. And right as I said that, Hank interrupts me and he starts going, Mark, what about you? How are you feeling? And then he just goes into this thing that you see on air. And I'm like, wait, what's happening? And Mark starts talking to him and he goes, Lori, would you go in with Mark? And I'm like, wait, what? And he goes, yeah, I do that. And then Lori's like, yeah, I do that. And Hank goes, deal. And I'm like, wait, 
what just happened <laughs> and you can see it i'm just like hold on like everything is i'm in a state of confusion so uh yeah it, it was amazing you know just to know that not only did mark understand where you're coming from and Lori did too and i love that all the sharks really seem to understand where we were coming from as far as why we were doing the business what the intent was and the fact that Lori said exactly what you know i feel when i think of the business and i describe it at least when i first came into it i don't know what there is to do here but i know there's something to do and there's a lot so i'm on board and then when mark was like yeah listen i'll go in with Lori. i'll take a flyer it was like wow these two people who i so admire and look up to see the same thing that i do and um I get the opportunity to work with them now. This is unreal, unreal. I mean, an honor beyond honors. It is. Um, you're getting. A, I'm getting a lot of feedback uh, from you, Giuliano, uh, when you speak. I don't know if it's because of you, Hank. Do you guys happen to have uh, headphones? It's all right. It's all right. We'll just. We'll just. Okay. We'll. we'll uh, what I could do is I can. Uh, when it's happening, I'll. I'll mute Hank. Uh, to try to get it to go away for a little bit and then uh, pull it back when you when you start wrapping. Yeah, you know, when it looks like you're starting to wrap up what you're saying. Well, then you're you're practically part of a part of the business because I mute Hank all the time. So. <laughs> Welcome to the club. Aww. Aww. <laughs> I'm joking. I hope so. No, we, we give each other a hard time. Listen, I, I feel like part of being in business together is there's so much stress and hell. That uh, you got, you got to have a good time and laugh. You know, you can laugh at each other, laugh with each other. But you know, at the end of the day, you know, we're basically brothers, so it, it works out well. Oh, I, I love. It. I'm going to leave that in there. Uh, so, so, so when it came, all right. So when it came time uh, to decide what your initial uh, valuation was going to be, the offer to the Sharks, how did you guys go about formulating that? Eighty thousand, fifteen percent is. Uh, a bit unorthodox. In what way would you say it's unorthodox? Just out of curiosity. I mean, well, because most people would be like, I want 100000 for 10% or I want, you, you uh, know what I mean? Asking for 15% is not super common on the show. It's, 10, it's 5%, 10%, you know, 20%, nice even numbers. I mean, 15% yeah. is, part, is one of the fives, but it's just not as often. Though sometimes you'll see, uh, what was the, the other day was like 12% or 11%. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's very Somebody, odd. Yeah, like, what? So, how? What was? What? What? How did you guys come to the eighty thousand for fifteen percent valuation? We, I think Hank and I may have separate answers for this, but okay. uh, my my answer was I basically wanted to say, you know, I'll give you, you know, twenty percent for uh, one dollar. You know, at the end of the day, I just I wanted them to be a part of the team. Um, but the truth is we really could use the funds for, you know, expanding the business. Exactly what we were saying. Actually, I don't know if that, that didn't really air, but they were asking, what are you going to use the money for? And it's like, well, we want to expand the operation and, and basically increase uh, production capacity um, because we were doing good before we got on the show and we wanted to continue increasing sales. Um, we have, a, I mean, you know, we're, we're a company that cares about people. So we just wanted to take that and, used to better care about people. So instead of saying a dollar, we're like, hey, let's actually do what our evaluation, what we assume it to be. Um, and we came up with that, which is, I feel like, a conservative number. Um, and we don't want to scare the sharks away because, you know, the, the economy isn't doing that great, especially back then. And, uh, you know, we were not making a ton of money, but 
it's enough where we, you know, could say, hey, let's do 80,000 for 15%. It just seemed like something fair for both of us. You know, it wasn't nothing, but it wasn't a ton. So, you know, something that we can both work with. Hank, what do you think? What's your answer? Yeah, I think that uh, part of it was not coming with something like one, two, three, five, ten percent. We wanted to go above ten percent, um, leave some room on the table to negotiate also, but something less than a hundred thousand, as as you always say, Joe, that's tempting for a shark to want to invest in. It's it's nothing to um, you know put your guard up or your 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 wall your your ears are open because it's a very investable amount especially for the show so um plus plus barbara said something that was pretty uh accurate in my opinion like it is a it is a wacky type of product a lot of people doubt it before they even try it and so um just getting people to listen um especially when you have one shot to make it you know in front of a national audience um you know i've been a huge fan of the show since it came out i was watching it in 2010 watched every single episode so i knew that there was no do-overs or, or you know maybe like one one person got a do-over maybe two people in the in the history of the show so chances of us getting that second chance were probably slim to none and um i really wanted it to be as enticing as possible and when we got done with the episode i just remember looking back and thinking like like jay we got four offers like we got more offers than we expected to get and so i think that that all came down to being um you know having off making an offer where our valuation was very like doable for an investor yeah i mean i, I mean we do say that here on the channel a lot where you know, any anything under a hundred thousand or around a hundred thousand is is pretty uh, fair game to to get a deal, especially when you're not like eighty thousand for one percent or something like. You know, it's like oh, I'm only this for a little money, but like I'm not giving up enough for them to care. Uh, long any time after the show, you know, after they're finished taping there. Um, so no, that that is. I mean, I think it was smart. I think it was smart to come in, especially where you are with the business and what you're doing. Uh, is is something that is different where people have to like get in their mind that they can use this as a tool or as a party trick or as you know something just fun to mess around with from time to time like there's you have something that um you know enables people that you know if they wanted to use it as a tool they totally could right to to lose weight uh if they you know if sugar is their their crutch uh and and have an opportunity to like reduce the amount of sugar intake that they're they're doing so so it's like it's coming from so many different angles and um you know it, i think it was it was great that mark did not try to lambast you on that like whoa like weight loss like hey you're not making that claim and and i'm not going down that road because obviously that's not the full intent of what it does it's it's a it's almost like a byproduct of what it can do if utilized as a tool ding 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 yeah, ding ding yeah <laughs> yeah ding ding indeed and uh you know he he really got that because hank does tell a fantastic story you know he he was able to really speak to the sharks um the way that they i i feel like they you know would uh would understand the best um because yeah I, I, it's not really like this gimmicky weight loss thing it's not like that 
it's just like you said, and just like Hank explained it, you know, he used it for this and he said, Hey, maybe we could create a business that could help other people. And maybe other people could use it like that too. Um, and that's, that's just kind of how it, how it got brought down. If, if they don't, then it can be used for fun, you know, at the end of the day, then they can just use it and put a smile on their face. But if they can use it in, in another way, I mean, it's like saying, Hey, I sell these weights and it makes you lose weight. No, the weights don't make you lose weight. But, uh, you know, I sell these running shoes. You lose weight. No, running shoes don't make you lose weight. But if you use them correctly, they could help you lose weight. So, you know, it's all about how you use that tool. Oh, I'm laughing because the Skechers and their uh, their shape shaper shoes or whatever they were called. <laughs> oh, yeah. And the lawsuit that they had because they were like, oh, you, you wear the shoe and the way it makes you walk, it, it, it'll make you lose weight because you're <laughs> using more muscles, I think, I think was the idea. Uh, I don't know. That's like saying I have a mouse and I click the mouse a million times a day, so I'm burning calories yeah. every time I click it. Like, yeah, but yeah. not not enough to you know matter. That's exactly. Like, people who push the celery thing, they're you know they're always talking about how it takes more calories to chew the celery than what the celery <laughs> is. But I'm like, yeah, but you're only eating celery. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's what you put on the celery that matters. That's what I'm all about. The peanut butter, the the ranch dressing, or whatever else you you know, whatever kind of dip you got going on. But there. you know, Joe, you've seen enough Shark Tank to know that if our valuation was a lot higher, you know, that objection could have easily lost us the deal. You know, but because our valuation was totally doable in the eyes of the sharks, I believe, and because we created that um, sort of sense of urgency that four sharks wanted to make an offer, um, I think that they were able to overlook uh, certain objections because the opportunity was there. Yeah, yeah, oh, I, absolutely, yeah. They, they. Uh, I mean, you figure once you split it in half, you're, you're forty thousand dollars, like that's not a ton, a ton of money for them. Right. I mean, it's still a lot of money, but it's not, yeah. it's in reality is not a lot of money to, to take a, you know, to take a flyer on a company, they're going to get 30% of, you know, 15% each of for 40 grand like that is no, 10% and, each. Uh, oh, wait, I thought it was 80,000 for 30% was what they finally, Oh nope. yeah, it was 20%. Yeah. Okay. Damon was at, thir- was at 30%. Okay. 20%. So 10% each. Yeah. I, I wrote it down wrong here. Um, so how did you guys go about balancing your your life and the business uh, and preparing for Shark Tank? Oh man, this was all this was all this guy right here. This was <laughs> everything. Uh, he, he just stepped up. You know, I gotta say, for solopreneurs, especially the ones that go on the show, this question is. I I love when you ask this question because I I love hearing their answers. But for me, it was I was able to do what I usually did. Um, in my day-to-day, which is marketing, outreach, sales, that type of thing. And then Giuliano picked up all the slack when it came to getting the paperwork done and the questions getting answered and the submissions and working directly with the producers. And uh, just, I mean, literally every little thing he just took the reins on and spearhead. So if you have, a, you know, a question about, like, if you're just starting your own business, um, can you find somebody that you can trust just to to help you a hundred percent from every every single angle? I would recommend you pull that person in and you give them straight up equity because they are worth every cent when it comes to your success. I, I couldn't. I, there's absolutely no way that 
uh, we would have been able to do the show if it wasn't for all the work that Juliana put in. Say something about that, Juliana. <laughs> Listen, I, I, I got to say I agree 100% with Hank because I feel the same way about him. You know, it's a, it's a very yin and yang type of relationship. Um, we're kind of opposites. So, you know, in that regard, I pick up the slack where he doesn't, and he picks up the slack where I don't. And if there's something that I like to do and something that he likes to do, then, um, you know, it, it works out well. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you, if you're blessed enough to have a part, you know, somebody that you can partner up with, I think that is, I, I know me personally, I like to work with someone else in most projects because there's, I just, I dream too big for, for just me. There's always too much to be done to, you know, that I want to do or create or processes to, to, um, to make efficient and, and all that. So for me, like getting to work with other people, uh, you know, and being, bring their creativity and their oppor- uh, you know, their opportunities, their background, their history, their lessons that they've learned to me is always uh, the best. The hardest part is finding the right person to go and do that with. I, I, I got to tell you, I was, uh, oh, sorry. I, I got to say, I was working with, um, I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. You know, I've always wanted to have something that was mine and in one way or another in sales or this or that. And uh, I worked with a lot of people, you know, and a lot of people who were just fantastic at business, successful, smart, you know, educated, this and that. And I got to tell you, they all failed me one way or another. They all failed. They, they didn't, they either couldn't step up and keep up with the hours. They couldn't um, be dependable they weren't uh, smart enough to know how to maneuver through through the trenches of business and the obstacles and the everyday challenges that really just take you and, and throw you on the ground and put their foot on your face. And you're like, okay, here I am, but I got to get up. And, you know, they, they quit for that. Or even just like the hardheadedness where they're like, hey, I have this ego. And I'm like, wow, I guess it doesn't work. And then Hank came to me. That's when he was like, hey, let's do a business. And I go, there's no way you're going to be able to keep up because I'm, I'm dealing with people who are, you know, at least in my, what I thought were just like top echelon business people. And Hank is just like my party buddy. Like you're the guy I hang out with to have, you're like my best friend to have fun with. Like you can't keep up. And uh, he's like, no, I can't, I can. And the third time he asked me, I remember it was like every week, every couple of weeks he'd ask me again. And the third time I go, okay, you know what, Hank? You think you can hang? I'm telling you, it's not a it's not a cakewalk. All right, let's go. We'll do this business and let's see if you can hang. And I will tell you what, he has kept going every single day since then. I think that was like 2014. We decided to try and do this business every single day. He goes harder than I do. It's insane. It's unbelievable how he just never, ever quit. Um, and that's why we have this business. It's because of him. And, you know, to be able to trust somebody too is unbelievable. It's uh that you can sit there and put your bank account in his hands and vice versa and know that, you know, we have each other's back. You know, I, I, I went through a time where I was working the business and I was overworked myself and I ended up getting like a, like a panic attack and I couldn't work for like two months. I just was like physically incapable because of just this unbelievable stress. And I'm like, hey, he's like, Hey, can you do this? And I go, Hey, I can't, I, I, I'm unable to, I'm freaking out. Like, and I had to go to the hospital. It was crazy. And he just stepped up. He took took care of everything. And um, for two weeks, I, I didn't do any work. I just had to relax and 
uh, you know, focus on healing and he did everything and never all he, he, what he did instead of complain is he was supportive and he was there for me for anything I needed, not only for the business, but like personally too. He's like, Hey, can I get you anything? Bring you any juice. And um, when you have somebody where if you're in trouble that they can help you, you know, personally, if you have to go out of town, you know, it's just like, if he says, Hey, I got to do this. I'm like, you go do whatever you need to do. I got your back and vice versa. So someone you can trust and someone you can depend on um, and who's hardworking and smart. It's hard to find that. It's damn near impossible. So, you know, I'm, I'm blessed. That's how, that's the only reason why we have this business. Hank, you're, you're, you respond before I say anything. Go ahead. <laughs> well, you know, thanks for the kind words, but um, actually, I actually forgot about that hospital trip, <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, you know, at the time when we aired, it was six years and now it's seven, Joe. And uh, after we closed, and uh, we aired and we had all that uh, kind of fanfare and the work really, really started to pour in. You know, Jay and I looked at each other and said, no, you know, no matter what we've been through together, like, I feel like today is day one. Like, we're, you know, this is a different company now. Like, we have, um, you know, goals that we've hit now and we can reset and aim to reach again. So um, I'm kind of excited to see what this dream team now that there's four of us um, in the business, what we can do together, because uh, like so many, so many obstacles have prepared us for the challenges that we faced um, immediately um, airing. And then, of course, um, I don't know, this is probably not going to come out. So this will come out after our re-air, but our re-air is this Saturday. And so, um, you know, going through going through it once and then now we know what to expect and um, just being able to count on the processes that um the people we have put into place is you know it's comforting because um you not only not only do we have a map for where we want to go but for certain things we've already experienced those challenges and we know uh how to get around them under them over them whatever it took to uh, overcome that obstacle so yeah to tie it back if you know if, if you think that you just have somebody that's like someone that you can trust that might not you might you might not think is good for the business, but you have absolutely nobody else. And it's between that and like some like a stranger or somebody that you would try to uh, find at a meetup group or an entrepreneur group like that. I would take your best friend any day of the week, uh, twice on Sunday, because uh, they'll <laughs> they'll help you. They'll help you. Uh, reach that goal much better because they know you, especially if you're willing to put all the work in. It's uh, something that I would definitely recommend, Joe. A thousand percent. Look, trust is is expensive, right? It, it, it requires time, right? We get three three resources, right? Time, energy, and money. And money being the least three important of the of the three in my in my view. And uh, yeah. you know, you you your story uh, there, Juliana was was making me tear up. So I, I I don't know how you held it together, but that was absolutely beautiful and um i loved that you pointed out hank's persistence asking three times didn't quit after the first time uh asking and and there's a a story about persistence when it comes if you're talking about uh starbucks you know the the ceo of starbucks they asked like for a year to get in to be a part of the the team uh over at starbucks back in the 70s i want to say uh, not that i'm the biggest starbucks fan i don't actually drink coffee but um but it, you know it's a great story of persistence and and that right there you know asking three times 
being a great friend um, and, and being a really great friend, not just a, an opportunist friend or an opt- opportunistic person uh, to want to try to like take advantage or anything to that nature. Uh, it's worth so much. Um, you may, you know, and the other thing is, is uh, I'll add is, you know, you may or may never get to go to Shark Tank with your best friend or, or take it to the moon as they, you know, to the moon, as they say. Um, but if you have a damn good time doing it, it's not that big of a deal either. Right. Because again, money's <laughs> yeah. the third most important of how you spend your time and energy with money being the replenishable one. Uh, so, you know, do, you're doing it right. You're doing it right. Yeah. And I, I think that's amazing. <laughs> hey, thank like you so much. You're so, so, so welcome. And just to jump back to you were saying about Starbucks, you know, apparently also a J.K. Rowling got rejected a ton with her books and she just kept going. And, and, you know, look what happened with that. Also, apparently Disney was laughed out of the world, too, when he was like, yeah, I want to do Disney theme park. They're like, get the hell out of here. So, you know, we wouldn't have Disney. We wouldn't have Harry Potter, Starbucks, that persistence. It pays. It's not not just a saying. (laughs) <laughs> no, it absolutely does. It does not happen overnight, uh, and and uh, you have to 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 really have that vision and and just keep going and pushing for it. Um, uh, so, how did you guys end up getting connected with Shark Tank? Did you apply, or did they reach out to you? So we applied um, two years ago, back in 2019, or I guess that would be three years ago in 2019. Time way man. too, way too early. You know, like totally not ready to be on air, but we, you know, usually entrepreneurs are early to things. And then uh, when we didn't hear back uh, and then the pandemic kind of happened and then uh, went through all that craziness where time warped a little bit, um, I was spending more and more time on LinkedIn and the casting director um, popped up on my feed. I was able to reach out personally and make sure that um, our application was like viewed. And I think LinkedIn is really underrated, especially in the CPG community founder space, because, um, you know, between me and Giuliano, uh, we have a, like a lot of lessons that we learned, but there's so much more to learn. And uh, and the community there is actually a really strong, close-knit community that you get to know each other on a personal level. And it's um, it's good for your mental health. And it, uh, obviously, it also, op- you know, provides business opportunities, too. But, um, yeah, if there's one app that I think that needs to be utilized more. It's the it's the CPG founder community on LinkedIn for sure. Mm. Yeah, you know, I so it's funny because in the marketing space, in the podcasting space, um, content creation space, LinkedIn has always kind of been the fringe one. Like I have a few friends that are like real big into it, but I'll tell you, my dad uh, with with our company, part of Truck Parts, or part of that was the old company, part of Fleet Solutions. Uh, that you know, he gets so many people reaching out to him through LinkedIn just by advertising our, our company through his personal 
personal LinkedIn profile, not even talking about the business page. Um, and he's connected with all these different fleet managers and things like that. So uh, there's definitely, I think, depending on what business and uh, you're in, there's there's a niche of a group of people that are going to LinkedIn more so and still using LinkedIn for what it's really meant for, which is you know conducting business and and that kind of stuff, rather than the Facebooks and the Twitters and the all the the the, the big shiny flashy ones uh, or shiny ones uh, that that are out there, like the the you know the ones that are meant for more maybe personal to can be for business. But, uh, but yeah, I think there's a, a really strong LinkedIn community out there that, that you just got to be able to tap into it. Exactly. Um, so as far as, uh, I, I'm assuming, uh, well, Hank, you obviously were a big fan of Shark Tank. Uh, Juliana, were you as big of a fan of Shark Tank or, or Here's a, not so much? I'll be, let me be real with you. Okay. I'll be a hundred percent. Um, I love Shark Tank. All right, I love the show, but uh, I had this unbelievable amount of just like I don't I don't even want to say what it was. You could just figure out the word. I just I would watch the show and I would be so upset because I'd be like, you know, I want to be on the show. I feel like we could be on the show. We would do great on the show. Why aren't I on the show? And I almost had like a little I, I don't know, almost like resentment that I wasn't on there. So I was like, you know what? I love the show. I'll watch a few of them, but like, you know, some, obviously some of them are just way too interesting to not watch. But, you know, for the most part, I wouldn't watch it religiously like I wanted to because I'm just like, you know, when I want the show, then I'll watch it all the time. But until I get on the show, I don't want to watch it. But uh, I, I love the show. Absolutely. And that's part of why I didn't want to even watch it because I was like, I want to save binge watching the show until I'm on it. And then I can be proud and, and feel accomplished and watch a show and know, hey, I'm one of those guys, you know, I'm one of the people who was on the show too. Um, but it's, it's nonsense. I don't think that's a great way to be, but we did get on the show and now I can watch it and I have watched it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought I thought it going in a different direction. I was expecting, I was expecting you to say, I was that you were jaded being an entrepreneur and being like, ah, that's just TV. It's just a bunch of hooey <laughs> or whatever. Like, like not like, well, Oh man, I'm kind of jealous. Like, you know, low key jealous about the fact that I'm not on there. With my business, and I, I, is that what you want me to do? You want, you, yes. you want the value? <laughs> go ahead. It's true. I, it, well, here's the thing. I, I did my research because I did. You know, I'm like, oh, is this all? You know, BS? Is this real? Um, but I did do the research and I looked into the business who's businesses who are on the show, and I saw you know some people get a deal and they don't actually sign, and some people you know uh, don't get a deal and then they have talks afterwards, and I'm like, wow, this is kind of like a real wild west negotiating kind of like a real shark tank they're they're jumping in here so once i realized like oh this is and this is like a long time this is years ago maybe like six years ago or something like that that i'm that i'm going through this and i was like okay yeah it's real that made it so so much cooler and i'm like wow this is actually su super amazing i want i want to be a part of this incredible community and uh, yeah so it was low-key i guess jealousy <laughs> hey it's all good i appreciate the honesty as as we've had honest uh honesty come through in these interviews uh through through doing them and and uh to be able to reflect back on how uh we feel and how other people can you know decide to feel for themselves um so uh you guys mentioned you did close your deal already which is pretty pretty awesome 
Yeah, yeah it, it, it's it, it is incredible. You know, when you when you get that message, yeah, yeah it, it was unbelievable. I, I saw it and it goes, you know, we're officially closed and we you can consider us partners. You know, and I'm like, oh my gosh, get out of here! Like, get out of here! <laughs> it's crazy. It's it's you know because. I, I was, you know, watching a lot of the show. Like I said, I do. A lo- I love the show, but I try not to be, you know, a fanboy, although I am. Um, but uh, I, I know that one of the things that was said a lot is when you get that handshake, that's not the deal. That is not the real deal. Like the real deal comes afterwards. So like that handshake does not mean anything is final. So, um, you know, we got that handshake and I was like, OK, this is just the beginning. You know, it's it, for me, celebration is like, uh, you, you know, when. When I like to celebrate the company, I'm not big at celebrating. I go, okay, whoa, good job. That was amazing. But I know anything good that happens in business, it comes with a lot of work. Let's say you get a huge contract. Let's say, you know, you're on Shark Tank. Like, oh my gosh, that's fantastic. I know there's going to be a lot of work to follow this though. So let me not sit there and, and, you know, get drunk and wasted and do all this stuff. Like, okay, let me just sit there and go, that kick ass, woohoo. Okay, now let me get to work. You know, that's about how much I like to celebrate, um, you know, so... There's a lot of work to it. What about you, Hank? So I would watch every single episode with a deep-seated fear, Joe. Um, because I knew, like, the reason why I got Giuliano to go into business with me is because I was able to show him, hey, listen, man, if if I, you, we don't do this, then nobody else is going to do it. It takes somebody just like us to get this started and fit and see it the whole way through. Um, but I knew that once we did, and once we found a little modicum of success, that there were going to be other people to copy us. And that's kind of a great thing, actually. You kind of worry about that in the beginning, but um, the more people that copy you, you know you're on to something. And every single week that it would air, Joe, I swear, man, I would just hold my hold my breath thinking, oh, is this the episode that's going to show the Miracle Berry? Is this the episode? Are these guys going to beat <laughs> us? And I'm, I was so freaking nervous, Joe. I can't tell you, like, I was so motivated to be the first one on Shark Tank. Um, and so I think that that's why uh, it felt so good just to uh, finally see it in person. Because, like, yeah, like the the actual time that we were in the tank, like that hour or so, it lived on in my memory, but I didn't get to see it on screen. I don't know if you've uh, had that experience before where you're like, kind of pinch me, did that happen? And just like, I want to make sure, like you don't quite believe it until you see it like on TV. And then, um, and then I had a huge weight lifted off my shoulders. Like the relief that I, that I had knowing that, you know, all the work, like, I think that they, I said it in that little exit interview, like it, it was a, t- it's a ton of nonstop work. And uh, just to know that a Me Too company didn't beat us there for it, it meant everything to me. You know, that, that was a huge, huge step. So, yeah, I could, I could totally see that. I know um, different industry, but I had somebody reach out to me um, from the Philly area actually here talking about CMOS for like a while, like for, for like, I don't know, six months or something. And then all of a sudden there was a CMOS product on, yep. on chart tank. And, and, you know, he's like, Oh, what the heck? Like, uh, well, you know, you gotta, what was Barbara's biggest deal? She had like a, like a snuggy thingy 
It was the it was uh, the knockoff to the actual name brand or the original one. You remember that one? The comfy. Yeah, the comf. Right, comfy, exactly. The comfy, comfy kind of was like the second one, and the snuggie missed out, and so that just blew up. And so I could see something where uh, you know we're doing all this work day in and day out to pave the way, and you know and another then, brand beat us. And that yep, one exactly. Was comfy. Yep. Yeah. It, Hundreds of millions of dollars for the comfy, right? And Snuggie's just over there like, why didn't I go on Shark Tank? Yeah, yeah. Th- Snuggie's yeah. have been around since forever. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they saturated the market. I mean, we have a couple Snuggies out here at the house. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, so, uh, so what did you guys do once you got back? Uh, how did you prepare your business for potentially getting the air on Shark Tank? So he's the he's the major ops guy. So you answer this one, Jay. We went to Natural Products Expo West, and there's a lot of entrepreneurs there, a lot of businesses there, and uh, there was one guy in particular who Hank was talking to, and he goes, "Yeah, a buddy of mine went on Shark Tank, and um, he he assumed he would air, and you know, you just never want to assume anything in business, but he assumed he would air." And he ended up not airing and he lost a lot of inventory because he overprepared. Um, the benefit for our product is that, uh, you know, it, it has a wonderful shelf life. So we could, you know, overprepare no problem. Um, and that's that's exactly what we did. I was like, you know what? Wow, that's a that's a really crappy situation. But that's the whole thing why we wanted to get into business is to take this product and, and give it the longest shelf life possible. Um, and retain the, the maximum potency and just, you know, the integrity of the product for as long as possible. So I just, I, I pretty much went on to, uh, into full, let's scale up mode and scale up and scale up. And I'm telling you, you know, we, we may be, we like times eight production, right. And we did everything we could to, uh, to get production going. But of course, um, as, as every entrepreneur knows, uh, when something bad can happen, it will happen. And uh, it did happen. And so production capacity was slightly disturbed by one thing or another. And that was terrible. But, you know, you got to you always just got to keep pushing forward. So I pushed forward. We still just, you know, increased our production unbelievably. But um, it just it couldn't we couldn't have been prepared. There's no way we could have been prepared for what happened. It's just it was it was not what we thought foreseeable. we yeah. did not perceive this <laughs> so uh, it, it was it was interesting and it was uh stressful everything is always stressful but you have to love that stress if you if you're in business and you think it's going to be a cakewalk or if you think hey you know i'll go through a little hell but i'm, I'm really in it for the glory like no you can't really be in business for the glory you got to be in it for the hell too because you got to enjoy all the kicks and punches, you know, I grew up loving video games and why do you love video games? You know, what makes a great video game? It's the challenge. And then knowing that I overcame that challenge. And then once you overcome that challenge, what is there to do? You just sit back and celebrate and, and throw money in the air. You sit back and you just like, you know, do nothing. No, what ha- you go to the next level and you go to the next level and you keep playing. You're like, wow, this game is amazing because it challenges you and it puts you in situations that make you think and make you feel like crap. What do I do? I'm, I'm stuck. And, uh, yeah, so, so that's, that's where, that's where I was in with that. And, um, I was challenged, made it out, challenged again, once we aired and we just made it out and it's just a series of challenges, but you got to love it. And I, I love it. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and so so have, being able to to over prepare, I think, uh, is is a great asset uh, to the business because, you know, enable you guys to not like get bogged down in inventory and, and, and all that. And that's the first story. I, I maybe the second time I've heard of somebody getting to not air. Um, that that I've heard like either through the grapevine or someone coming to me uh, to say that, and uh, so it does. I mean, it does happen. Um, and I, and I've I've heard it happens. You know, I, I've read in a lot of places like, oh, people film and they might not air or this and that, and I'm like, oh, that that's interesting. It, it's extremely, and you know, I I understand that. So yeah, so, uh, yeah. I mean, after what the in the COVID season twenty twenty, uh, the or I guess twenty twenty into twenty twenty one, there was an episode. I don't know if you recall. There were the, all the sharks were together because it was from the, it was filmed, and they put a thing in in front of it saying it was filmed in the previous season or the previous year before this ever happened. So like, I can't even imagine being that company. Well. I mean, I guess it's like you, you know, it's like, oh, we're gonna be, we're gonna be, in, oh, I guess the season's over, and then like the season starts, and like all of a sudden you get that email, and you're ready, unless they already knew and it got pulled for some reason, but like I don't, I don't know, I had, nobody's reached out from that episode yet. Uh, yeah, so maybe, maybe in the future I'll get to find out what what happened there. But um, speaking of what happened there, tell me, guys, did you guys have a watch party? How did how did it go? What'd you do? <laughs> I, I hey guy, you, you jump in. <laughs> All right, so uh, so <clears throat> like like Juliano said, we had like eight times our production. Um, I'm a I'm a weekly watcher of Shark Tank, Joe. I'm in the super community. I uh, I feel like. I feel like I cannot let this one date go by without all of my best friends, my family um, coming in and, and watching this together. So uh, one of one of Giuliano and I, our friends, actually is uh, pretty well off and he's got this uh, Beverly, uh, this Bel Air mansion and he donated it to us for our watch party. And I was I was just over the moon because, uh, I mean, it just had every amenity that you could think of just uh enormous screen great sound system plenty of room plenty of parking just the whole glitz and glam the whole nine right and he just was uh really big fans of the brand and he was a great is a great guy uh shout out to judd weiss anyway uh there's many uh people that also told me like hey you i want to be there i want to watch this with you my brother is in the uh, industry, the film industry. So he had all the recording equipment, all the lights and the, the red carpet and the whole everything, the stop and go and all that, the step and repeat, I mean. And uh, we had, uh, you know, our product is food. So we had these Michelin chefs that we've worked with in the past and they were like, I'll bring food and uh, we'll make it a, a berry taste testing event. And it was just uh, so much opportunity that I couldn't like see through that. I, I I was just like a deer in the headlights, and I was like, "We're gonna make this happen, Juliano. We're going to have a watch party." And Juliano's like, "What are you smoking, Hank? <laughs> like, there is absolutely no way that we can afford to do a watch party." And I was like, "I don't think there's a way that we could afford not to do a watch party." And so. <laughs> so 
So uh, how it turned out was we compromised and Giuliano's like, okay, Hank, you follow your dream. You have this watch party. I'll stay be I'll stay back. I'll make sure all the customer service is on point. And I was like, well, you could do that from another room. Just, you know, after we air, just make sure everything's good and, and come and join the party. And Giuliano's like, you're still smoking that stuff, Hank. You need to calm down. There's no way that I could come to this party. <laughs> like somebody has to be manning the ship. And um, Joe, I couldn't have predicted the response. I'm on the way to this watch party. It starts at seven o'clock. Uh, I want to get there a couple hours in advance just to set up and make sure that, you know, everything's good for our guests. And, uh, you know, it's about five o'clock and I'm on my way up there and uh, the episode starts airing on the East Coast and I get a call from Giuliano and uh, it's like five o'clock on the on the dot. And uh, he's like, he's like, go ahead and, and check the check the amazon right now and i and i just we couldn't we couldn't fathom it it like before almost before we started airing people had you know begun ordering the product and it's almost as if shark tank viewers understand that you know on the night of airing things are going to get sold out really quickly so it's kind of a rush to see if you can get your order in first and um 10 minutes into our airing on the east coast we were completely sold out of inventory so five five ten um we went on a 30 day back order and um i'm at this party and i'm thinking what did i do because <laughs> here we are like celebrating and i know that giuliano's hair is on fire <laughs> like all that hair is on fire because he's manning the ship by himself and i'm like doing interviews with newspapers and stuff like that uh but i don't know what else to say it was a unforgettable night i had all my best friends uh my mom came into town you know my brother and brought all of his uh filmmaking friends uh we had live music and um just an unforgettable night but it, looking back i don't know if i would throw the party again just because of all the work that it needed to be done like starting for that friday night and then for like the next two months it was uh just you know almost 18 hour days i'm not exaggerating like it was between 14 to 18 hour days both of us working non-stop um fulfilling orders getting on the production line you know putting both hands in like both of our hands had to be constantly working uh to get all these orders out and um you know i'm happy to say that 99 percent of our orders were delivered on time and that was uh yeah we we did every single thing that we could to make sure that our customers were happy even if it meant uh full refunds um we took care of we took care of everybody that uh believed in us and supported in us and um giuliano i know you probably have your perspective to add but that's that's how i saw it I, yeah, I had a whole different uh, a whole different experience on the air date. Um, like I said, I, my idea of celebrating is going, wow, that was amazing. Whew, okay, let's get back to work, you know. And when Hank said, let's celebrate, I'm like, yeah, no. Um, I, I celebrated. I said that was amazing. I jumped for joy, and that, <laughs> I did it. That was it. I celebrated. What else is there to do? There's work to be done. Um, so I let him celebrate, and I go, listen, I'll take over. And that's exactly what we did. You know, I 
Hank's a very Hank's a lot more sociable than I am, and I understand that that's important. Like I said, you got to be there for each other. And if he wants to have a party, go ahead. You you enjoy it, and I'll hold everything down. And um, and that's what I did. And it was just it was wild. Um, I mean, my phone rang off the hook at at five oh one. It was calls, texts, orders, this that. I mean, emails, complaints, requests, questions, any and everything you could think of. Um, we had a little team to uh, help with customer service. That that w- we basically might as well not have had the team because it was it was like you know. Imagine putting up a couple sandbags for a tsunami. It's just like, yeah, the sandbags do nothing. You know, I mean, you might as well not even have them because that wave is coming. You know, it, it did nothing. Um, but, yeah, it was nonstop work. We had Amazon issues, website issues, product issues, uh, uh, promo code issues, everything you could think of. I remember Hank goes, what could possibly go wrong? I go, I got to be here in case something goes wrong. What could possibly go wrong? And I go, Hank, when you ask that question, like something's gonna go wrong like anything i don't know i don't know anything everything like that's why i'll be there because i don't know what could go wrong so i'll be there to figure it out and when it does i'll I'll be able to tell you what it is and i have a list for him you know it's a it's a huge list a lot went wrong and um you know we did our best to plan that's why hank was so confident but I'm just confident in, in problems. I, I know that I know problems will happen. So, uh, and, and they did. And, uh, but we, we did our best. We took care of it and, you know, we, we made it work. Um, and Hank was, I, I did need Hank's help for a couple things. And, uh, Hank, I had to pull him away. I'm like, Hank, get over here. What's this? What's that? You know? And he, he's jumping on. He's like, okay, let me use my phone. And I'm in this party. I'm, hold on guys, let me stop my speech and do a quick piece of work, you know? And it's just like, he's the man of the hour, you know? And like, where's Giuliano? And I mean, it's like, oh, he's yelling at me right now to see if I can do this for him. So <laughs> it, was, it, was great. it was fun. It was, uh, it, uh, like I said, yin and yang, you know? It's just like a, a, a fun work and a, and, a, and a party crazy guy. So it's, it's, it's a little bit of everything that we got with us. It you was know- great. And the relationship works through it. I uh, I can appreciate the the patience and the uh, dedication to the friendship to allow that to happen and not be like, yeah, well, Hank, if you're not going to be like here at the website, don't don't bother coming in, you know, on Monday, <laughs> kind of thing. You know? No, I'll tell you what, it was it was more so him. He was furious with me for not coming. It's like, you know what, you better come. You better come to this party. And I'm like, Hank, I'm sorry. There's just no way. I can't. I can't do it. It's like you you better come, you know. But you know, you like there's a lot of heat. There's a lot of intensity, and I like to say there's passion. We had a, a couple people who worked with us, like a few friends of ours who helped us through. And they were like, hey, why don't you ever listen to my ideas? And then they would also say, hey, why are you guys always yelling at each other? And it's just like, well, because we're passionate about the business. And if I want something done, I'm passionate about it enough to keep fighting for it. And if Hank's passionate about it, you know, passionate enough about it, then he'll fight for it. And, uh, and I tell the guys, I'm like, you know, you're just not passionate enough about it. That's why we don't listen to you. If you have an idea, I think I'm right. Hank thinks he's right. Do you think you're right? Yeah. Okay, well then, prove it to me. Let's see some emotion and some passion, and fight for what you believe is right. Because that's what Hank and I do. If I think, and if sometimes I think I'm right, and Hank will push farther, and I'm like, listen, I'm not as passionate about it as you are. So we'll go, we'll do your way. I I think I'm right, but you're clearly more passionate. So let's let's do what you say. So go for it. And you got to have that passion in the business. So yeah, we did fight. There's a lot of anger. You know, I say passion, but you could. Some people could say 
anger and aggression, but you know, it's, it's not real anger. It's just like, Hey, I'm passionate about this. Hey, I'm passionate about that. And then we get loud, but there's no, there's never any like, uh, uh, you know, holding on to any anger. It's just like, Hey, we yell at each other for this. And then, you know, we, we keep working. It's not like, Oh, I'm, I'm mad at you for that. We're never mad at each other. We're just passionate about a topic. That's it. As much as I, I hate the idea of people yelling at each other, I, I grew up in it and I know all about it. And even to this day, still try my best to not get sucked into the yelling aspect of the passionate part. Um, I, I do too, I swear. It's hard <laughs> not to, try. though. It's hard not it, to. It is I, hard. It yeah. is hard. It is hard. I have to remind my dad. I'm like, look, not everybody that's here is is okay with just you, know, you yelling. He's like, but I'm not yelling. I'm like, I know you're not yelling, but like to other people that have been here for like eight months, nine months, you're yelling. <laughs> like yeah. you're 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 very clearly upset to them, and and that's a problem, you know, for them to not want to let their voice be heard because they don't want to yell because they've lived that aspect of their life, and now they're at a point where they're like, you know, what, let's let's talk about it. But the, I think. That when you're the owner of something, it's it's different. Um, or if you're in, in the family of the ownership, it's different, um, and it's under it, to a certain extent, it's understandable. Uh, then then not being you know being on the outside of that and feeling like, well, I wouldn't yell at my boss. Like you would if your boss was in your family, and you would if your yeah. boss is wrong about what they're trying to push down your everybody's throat, and you're like, no, 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 no. This is how it is, and I can prove it, but you're just like, yeah, but I don't care about the proof. There's an aspect, Joe, to um, also if you're really great at not dwelling. Like that's something that Giuliano and I really, uh, from the very get-go, that was like almost a foundational pillar for us. Like we, we, it's physically impossible for us to not dwell. And if there, if there are arguments at times, like, of course there are, um, especially when you're 50, 50 partners, um, there is so much value in having a devil's advocate, someone who doesn't just say yes to you all the time. Like you really, you don't know what you don't know. And, and someone else's perspective who has the exact same amount to lose as you do is priceless. So if you're willing to listen to each other and hear them out at least for their, you know, as they state their case, um, that other perspective is probably probably the reason why we still have a business and why we haven't uh, haven't haven't fallen by the wayside. So as long as as long as you cannot take it personally and you know that your partner uh, really deep down is only arguing with you because they love you and they want to see the best for you. Um, it's, it's, it's very easy to not to let that go at the end of the day, because Giuliano will tell you one of the things that I have absolutely no problem saying all the time is, you know, I stand corrected. Like that was, I looked at that wrong, you know? So um, I think that that's a really healthy way to approach it. A thousand percent, you know, uh, and I, and I, I would say there's not a lot of things that you can learn in life. I think, I think you can learn. I believe you can learn patience and you can learn to be stand corrected, uh, as well as not dwelling on things. I think it's one of those things that I know for me personally, I had to be worn down, like, you know, she, she, uh, sanded down, refined, um, through the, the not dwelling part. Uh, and, and, and it's not that I'd like things 
go necessarily or I forget things, but just to not let it wear on me more because, you know, at the end of the day, we, again, time, money, energy, right? Or time, energy, money. Um, there's way more important things that, that require my time and energy than dwelling and the, and the energy that that can suck away from you from solving bigger problems, spending time with family or whatever else is important to you and things like that. So, excuse me. So I think it's, it's, uh, it's one of those things that I think you have to allow yourself that space to get there, to be refined and, you know, I, I think it comes with age, but I think what also can come with age is lack of patience. <laughs> you know, if you have patience, you can get the lack of patience. But if you don't have patience or, you, you know, uh, you don't have patience, you can learn patience over time. Uh, you know, and, and I think I always thank um, a good friend of mine, Maxwell Ivy, for for showing me the way he's blind. And he, you know, he wasn't blind until he's about 16, 17 years old. And he's in his uh, mid to late 50s now. So, you know, when we when I first met him, like, I, I had never met anybody who was blind before. So like, we, we had lots of deep conversations and things like he came from one of my conferences. So I, you know, I didn't know him from anybody. I was like, ah, I'll pick you up at the airport or I'll pick you up at the train station and we'll go get food. And then like right then and there, like right at first meal, like we start like everything, just the, the whole world of patience, you know, and what it takes when, you know, you you grow up not having a whole lot of patience for for waiting for things for the most part and and seeing how like, wow, like I could live my life like that and I got to learn to have patience. And now he had to learn to have patience with himself through not being able to see everything. So everything's a lot slower for him. You know, the phone oh, has he you. done any podcasts with you, Joe? I would love to he hear that has Maxwell Ivy has his own podcast as well. Uh, I can, uh, I'll send it, I'll send it over to you. Um, it's Maxwell. Maxwell Ivy is his name. Uh, I don't know his specific uh, website, but I might be maxwellivy.com. Uh, I'm trying to find it right now while we, while I'm speaking, but while I'm speaking, and we talk because he talks a lot about uh, dreams as well. What was each of yours? We'll start with uh, Juliana. What was your childhood dream growing up? Um, <laughs> I uh, I actually wanted to be uh, a paleontologist. I don't know why. I feel like all kids kind of have this weird thing. But as a little kid, I wanted to be a paleontologist. And then as I grew up, I was always talking to my family and helping them. Um, I'm. My mom had me when she was pretty young. She has uh, three siblings. So it almost was like I grew up with my aunt and my uncles being like kind of like my brothers and sisters that were older. Um, and they they were like, uh, you know, they were like maybe 20 years older. But still, you know, they're 26, 27. I'm seven. And it was just like, you know, it was it was still this interesting dynamic because they would come to me with these problems. And for some reason I would always talk to them and help them out. And then, so they just always came to me with their problems and, um, you know, being like 10 or 12, I was like, wow, I want to get into, uh, like therapy or be a therapist because I, I love how it feels to, you know, listen to someone's issues and, and the problems that they're going through and, you know, do what I can to help them and, and be there for them just to hear and then maybe offer any type of suggestion, you know, and, and at least make them see the, the positive side of the, you know, issue. And uh, so I, I always wanted to be in that. Um, I'm sorry, was anybody going to say something? Yeah, I was going to say something. Uh, so you're going to you're going to uh, find a paleontologist to tell all your problems to. 
I'm, I, I knew it was worth, uh, worth, worth asking if somebody was going to say something. Um, but yeah, you know, that, that's what I wanted to be. I just, I grew up with, uh, hearing my whole life, um, from everybody that, uh, you can be anything you want to be. And I don't know why it's weird. You know, I didn't grow up with, uh, with any money. I grew up pretty poor actually. And, um, you know, everybody would just always say, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I'd be like, oh, I don't really know. Maybe like this or that. Like you can be anything. You can be anything you want. And looking back, I'm almost like, wow, did my mom pay people to say that to me? But it was just so random because I mean, from a waiter to this, to that, or maybe that's just what I, I stuck in my head, but I just knew I could be whatever I wanted. You know, I knew I had the ability to, so it was just a matter of what did I have a passion in paleontology, being a lawyer, this, that. It always moved and, and, and fluctuated. But ultimately, it landed when I grew up to um, I want to create a business that helps people. I want to make a business that that helps this world and doesn't hurt it and can help people and maybe save people. So that that was my dream as I as I grew up and became an adult. So I'm, I'm money, glad you didn't pursue paleontology. Well, listen, it's fun. <laughs> Paleontology is fun. <laughs> bro, yeah. bro, I think you meant psychology. No, paleontology, like where you dig dinosaur bones, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. That, you, I, you I don't know why. Park growing up, obviously. <laughs> it was a great movie. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, no, so I, 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 love, I love that. We, we absolutely have that in common, Giuliano. People came to me. Uh, with their issues as well. And um, from the age of like seven, I wanted to be a child psychologist uh, to help other kids going through divorce like I was dealing with. So, um, you know, for me, like it's always been the thing. That, the thing that would help me back from doing it was I didn't want to go to school for like a decade to be a psychologist. <laughs> it, it, I didn't have that luxury. That held me back too. I was like, I, I can't even, I don't have the luxury to go to college and, and get this additional schooling. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, I could have, I, I, I absolutely could have, but schooling and me were like, eh, it just was never, it was never a thing for me. Uh, and, and I've realized that probably around the age of 10, 11, even though I, I still always have, have had and, and continue to have people that come to me with their issues and I listen and give feedback of how they can best deal with it themselves and, and how to look at it from different perspectives and stuff. Um, but no, I, so I can greatly appreciate that, um, that you're, you know, that's something that you wanted to do to be able to help help others, and and here you are, you know, start, starting a business to help others and and doing it. Yeah, and when Hank said that, he goes, you know, I want to make this business so I can help other people with this berry, like it helped me. And I was like, damn, man, you said all the keywords right there. Like, how can I? <laughs> how can I say no? <laughs> and, and what about you, Hank? What did you uh, want to be when you grew up? Uh, I just knew what I didn't want to do. You know, I saw my parents be doctors and I saw that they just had no life. Um, they were constantly uh, around the clock, just in the emergency room. And, um, you know, my dad wanted me to be a neurosurgeon like him. And I had to show him uh, Dead Poet Society. Remember that movie? Yes. Yeah. He asked me, like, did you show me that movie? Because the dad put too much pressure on his kid to be a doctor. And I'm like, if I had the bell, Joe, I was like... I was like, hey, yeah, he, he was, was smart enough to figure it out. If I had showed my dad that, I'd be like, I don't, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So even though it was a question mark for me, um, I just, I wanted to seize any opportunity that was in front of me at the moment. So 
a lot of that just was um, like opportunistic. Like it was, you know, I think that so many people would benefit from working with other people because there is no shortage of experiences you can gain from being a food server for a while in your life. Uh, no shortage of experiences that you could uh, gain from like working in retail. Um, like as it really does help you know how to navigate the rest of your life. As long as you have that experience, you can, I feel like you could talk to anybody um, and do a decent job of relating or at least, uh, or at least understanding where they're coming from. So that's how I kind of spent, you know, probably 20 years of adolescence after college. And then right before um, I found this, it was really easy for me to go into like something that was soul sucking, kind of what I look at Wall Street to be almost, Joe, um, because I got that degree. But early on, I found out that, you know, I didn't want to spend my time in finance just the same way as I didn't want to spend my time in the emergency room. Um, so I was still searching for things, but one of the, one of the key takeaways that a lot of, um, people who work as a food server or work in retail feel like, you know, like they're meant for something bigger or better. And you feel that way just because you don't have the perspective of time, you know, um, the right opportunity is waiting to cross your path. And I feel like if you are tied to a, a, a six figure paycheck or um, something that is very difficult to walk away from, you might actually let that perfect opportunity go. But if you um, have something that you can walk away from, which was in my case, like a retail job, you know, something that helped me pay the bills, but something that I knew that I could, you know, step away from and actually, you know, uh, respond to my calling. Um, I think that that is also a blessing in disguise. So yeah. Like to summarize, like if, if you feel like you have a, a bigger purpose, but you just haven't found it, but you're you're working in service or you're working in retail and you're constantly working with people, you're keeping that knife or that that edge sharp. And that's what it's going to take for you, because there's never going to be someone in your company who cares more than than you do. And similarly, someone's going to have to sell the crap out of whatever company that is. And so when you, when it comes to selling, you need to, how to know how to talk to people and deal with people and, and overcome objections and, um, you know, like educate people and, and have patience and, and be willing to put the time in. And you get all of those lessons from, you know, what, what people would consider like low level, low level jobs. So I don't think that there's anything that um, is beneath me. You know, like I was always happy to work in my retail job. I was always happy to be a food server. Um, but those those qualities and those lessons you can't buy either. And so sometimes people feel like they can't, you know, pursue their passion and they're uh, they're a slave to their, you know, salary or their income. And I think that that's a that's a shame. And uh, that's probably a bigger problem to overcome than, you know, dealing with a lower paycheck or, uh, you know, living frugally for a time until you really find what you're called to do. Million times percent over there. I, 
um you know being able to interact with people i think it's it's kind of a shame that so many things are being stripped away from uh those low low lower income positions uh because it's it's those opportunities i mean one of my best friends in australia samantha riley who i used to do the business geeks with you know she started at 17 at mcdonald's and then was like staying after hours and after hours and after hours just talking with the manager understanding the operations of how a mcdonald's operates and how to how you know how to make it even better and how to do all those things and then taking those lessons and i mean I, when i worked with uh, hopeworks you know we had kids that would um they're all uh, underprivileged youth coming out of mostly out of camden new jersey and some out of philadelphia um and they would be like well i i they they would work through the program and then they get an opportunity to have a paid internship so that paid internship could have been with me it could have been with um a local sh- um Food, grocery store and they're like well what does a grocery store have to show me all i'm doing is stocking shelves i'm like yeah but you get to see the operation you get to see yeah you gotta like do the physical work or whatever but like that's not the point you're getting to be inside of something and a part of something that's bigger than you and if you really take the opportunity to learn you can learn all the lessons that 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 grocery store had to figure out to get it to operate the way it is so like you got to be able to take those those opportunities and and learn and to go with what you said about uh because you've had people here like i want to start a business or i want to do this but I, i don't have a lot of money or or i'm you know i'm basically poor um cool like you don't have big if you don't have big bills then you don't have to like stay a slave to that 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 huge paycheck not that there's anything wrong with that if that's how you want to live your life that's that's fine that's okay as long as you're comfortable with it i can be comfortable with it but if you're not okay if you're not comfortable with it then uh then what you need to do is figure out the long-term game of how you're going to get away from that reduce your bills reduce you know create the runway so that you could potentially leave it or create something that like you can do in this in the meantime and kind of build up over time or maybe it, it just is a hobby that you know brings you five ten twenty thousand dollars a year and and that's enough because that's your hobby and it pays you rather than you paying it or you know you paying it to in 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 some sense but you know i i think that there i to me it's 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 actually you know it's kind of like how judo right you use the person's weight against them the bigger person's weight against them momentum yeah is it wait what is it judo yeah yeah exactly it's both right so yeah so like you're utilizing what you have the available to you to uh you know turn it into a pot a net positive versus a a negative and and letting that hold you back because yeah okay you 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 know and juliana you didn't have the money to go to school for 10 years and and go and get that degree or or you know level of education to go and do what you wanted to do but in the meantime like you you still you're helping people right and you're you're getting to be a great friend to people like Hank who are, who are getting to be a great friend right back to you. And, and that to me, I mean, look, if, if when you boil down life, it's just, it's like people and nature. And like, if you're, if you're winning on the people front, um, you know, hopefully you're doing all right in the nature side, you're, you're, you have shelter food, you know, those, those Laszlo hierarchy of needs um, covered, but like, you you just got to make the right decisions to get it to where you can feel comfortable to make those decisions of 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 like how do i get it even bigger right i mean my great my great grandfather sold fruit out of a truck until he started his own trucking company because he fell in love with the trucks and fixing the trucks and all that <laughs> stuff so like he was a huckster in in south philly at the food markets like 
it, it you know, yeah, that was in the fifties, forties and fifties, but like, that's where it yeah. came out of, right? Like that, like if it wasn't for him, it wouldn't have rolled into the truck, you know, the truck repair, the truck parts, and then eventually trucking again, failing at that spectacularly with fireworks and everything um, into what we have today in, in the family. So, you know, it's, you, you just have to work with the bait, go back to, you know, start with the basics and, and work from there. Exactly. Man. Yeah, that was so beautifully said. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it, it, you know, it was. And, um, you know, these people who, at least for me, you know, I'll, I'll speak personally, you know, it, it's hard doing everything. And um, whenever I feel like overwhelmed with stuff, I, I always like to think of this one this one thing in particular, it's, um, you know, I was raised by my mom. She was just a single mom who raised me. And uh, I know how hard that is. And I think it, trust me, I, I was not easy. I was, a, I was a tough kid. So um, I just think about these moms who are young, have a baby, go to college and hold down two jobs. And it's just like, you know, how, how do you sit there and they, you, they, you know, they go to college for like law or something crazy. And they're like, I'm studying to be a lawyer. I'm a single mother with two kids and two jobs. And it's just like, how the hell do you do that and keep your sanity? Like, I mean, it's, uh, you know, I, I have none of that. And, you know, I'm, I just have one job I'm trying to hold on to. And when I was trying to build a business, you know, I had a job and I was trying to be an entrepreneur and have companies, you know, I would work full time. And then any break I got, it was really hard, but I would, you know, I would put my money to the side and try to create a little business here and there, or I would try to create the cheapest business so I can do a little side hustle and this and that and see what I can make money from. Um, But I would just always think, okay, listen, there's these single moms who do it and they have all these kids and stuff and, and all these jobs. Like if they can do it, I have so much less than that. I should be able to do do it too, you know, and I try to pull that power from them and, and just give that respect that they that they, I don't know where they get it from, but I'm, I'm amazed. And I, I'm just, I'm in awe of, of how they do it. So, and they do it. So I feel like if they can do it, I should be able to at least do half of that because that's all I need to, to, to make it, you know, just half of that. Well, sometimes it's the, um, it's the, uh, what the, the, out of necessity, right? Like they, they ingenuity yeah, is a mother of necessity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There you go. Exactly. So exactly. You, know, they, you don't, they feel that like their back is up against the wall and they don't have a choice, right? Like they want to make a better life, uh, for themselves and their kids. And, and yeah, it's going to take four or five, six years to get through that schooling. Um, and, and probably a lot of crap jobs in the way, but the, also to your point, Hank, leaving like the, the, the uh, food serving job and stuff like that, like you could get another food serving job literally tomorrow. So it's not like, oh, I'm, I'm leaving a once in a lifetime opportunity. Like, yeah, maybe if it was like the highest end restaurant in the town and you're like, yeah, I might not be able to get that tomorrow. But like if they love me enough, maybe I could come back, you know, kind of thing, maybe. But that's the the risk, you know, risk reward you gotta you gotta weigh. If it's just like I'm working at the local diner, like all right, I can. There's six other. I mean, if you're in Jersey, it's there's six other diners within like five miles from here. So like I could work at any of those diners. Um, to to so this is this is real quick. This is Maxwell Ivy. Uh, if you go to my site and you click on the little like uh, search box and you type in Maxwell Ivy, you'll uh, his his podcast episode is up there. And uh, he, he is a, a good friend of mine and, and 
absolutely awesome being the blind blogger traveling on his own. He wrote books about travel, like traveling tra- on trains and planes by himself as a blind person. Is inc- to me, that's just incredible. Again, it blow- it blows me away. I'm absolutely honored. I got to give him a call because it's been a couple of weeks since I've caught up with him. But what does the future of nature's wildberry look like, Jay? Listen, I, for me, um, the, the future looks like, uh, having to be in, I I mean, I I like to see it like Tabasco, like ketchup, like, uh, like, like the, uh, more than sea salt, you know, just kind of a, uh, a seasoned staple in everybody's house to have it for when you need it. You know, you don't always need to put Tabasco on something, but when you do, hey, it's there and I can grab it and I can use it because, you know, I have the berries at the house and I, I'm actually, like I said, Hank and I are very opposite. I rarely use a berry. Hank uses it all the time. Um, but the thing is, rarely doesn't mean never. I mean, there's so many times where I have something, I'm like, oh, this is just terrible, but I need to have this. Oh, you know what? I have a berry that changes flavor and I'll take the berry and I'm like, oh, it's so convenient and so wonderful that I have the ability to access this thing that really does make my life so much easier when I need it to for either, you know, health reasons or medicine or, you know, whatever, because I want to maybe see, Oh, this drink tastes really crappy. Oh, you know, I got this berry. I don't want to waste the money. I can take this berry and the drink will actually now taste delicious, you know, um, for one reason or another. And that's just this really cool thing this berry does. And I would like to see it and in every household, um, to help people in any way that they want to, or even, Hey, I got my buddy over really bored. Uh, what do we do? I got this bear. You want to try it? Oh yeah. Cool. Okay. Bam. There's like 20, 30 minutes of entertainment right there. (laughs) That's that's how I like to see it. Uh, What what about you, Hank? Yeah. um, You know, one of the things that I really appreciated about Mark is that he kind of asked and then answered his own question about like this question about the vision. Like how, how do we get this to um, a multi-million dollar or, or, you know, hundred million dollar company. And he was like, you know, the path is the path to get there is just putting it on little jars on every table, you know, jars in every pocket. Um, and, and one of the things that people were asking about is, you know, you know, obviously the miracle berry has been around since it's nature. It's been around way longer than the history of it. You know, like people have been using it um, in regions to make their food taste better for hundreds and thousands of years. So, you know, what is it that we're doing that can make it available to, you know, to retailers right now? And you can maybe not even wait a day or two to have it delivered. You could just pick it up like the rest of your groceries. And so um, that we figured out how to preserve it chemical free at peak potency is a really big thing. It, it introduces it to not just um, you the rest of the United States, but also uh, outlets within the United States. And then, you know, eventually, uh, you know, years from now, the rest of the world. So, um, yeah, definitely opens doors to literally opens doors. And um, I think that first we'll approach the natural market and then eventually conventional and then eventually um you know, it'll be convenience that we're, that we're in, you know? So I just think about like when I, when I go to 
my favorite QSR happens to be sweet green at the moment. And I've been doing that, you know, like multiple, multiple times a week. And how great would it be instead of, you know, bringing my jar, I could just, you know, take a little berry right there and then have my salad just uh, explode with flavor, just like color did for TV. So, um, yeah, I see us growing regionally, not nationally first, uh, getting the data to support our um, our expansion, uh, being placed right next to the citrus in produce and, uh, you know, helping helping people transition away from overly processed, uh, extremely sugary foods to more of a whole food um, lifestyle. And uh, they can do that, not just having to have health be on their mind, but also coming from a foodie perspective and just having fun with little mini experiments along the way. And that's partly, partly part of the reason why you don't see us telling people how to use it right now is because while it's being introduced to people, a lot of people, you know, doubt it and they, they, you know, might not know what not to use it with, but a lot of people do figure out how to use it in their personal life. And because I or Giuliano or other people didn't tell them specifically what to think or how to do it, kind of like you wouldn't, you wouldn't go into a museum and, and, you know, next to the photo, next to the whatever painting, you, you don't see like, people saying what to think about it right you just see like the artist's name and then like their date and then that's it and like it's up to you to to have it speak to you or not and so um little by little people are cementing how this berry can work in their own lifestyle and then figuring out other ways they can utilize it also and i think that when they're giving it a life of its own by spreading it to friends and family and that word of mouth is the reason why um, we're able to focus on our operations and make sure that we have money around to, you know, fix the mistakes that we make because um, that, you know, I, I watched, I watched your video with us, Joe, and uh, that 80, that 80 grand, none of it went to marketing zero, you know, mm. it all went to uh, helping us get the price lower, helping us, you know, make the next moves and, um, and get the product out to people in a timely manner. So that was, uh, that's kind of how I see the future unrolling. Like we're just getting started. Um, we're, you know, a lot of it is education. M most people just have never heard of it. Still, if you ask nine out of 10 people, they'll still be like, what are you talking about? Like, this is not a real thing. You're just making stuff up. And, uh, you know, so we, we have a lot, a long ways to go, but I'm not looking to, finish this tomorrow like i've got another 10 or 15 years ahead of me so it is a definitely a long-term place so that uh it becomes a household name by the time we're re ready to pass the reins on no i love that i mean look it's actually not a bad thing that people haven't heard of it because that means that things can go up right oh, yeah. everybody already knew about it yeah, I mean, does that mean that you're in a stable market? It's kind of like the iPhone, right? Like, ah, we know how many iPhones are going to sell. They might go up a little bit depending on what we put in it, but like, we kind of, it's kind of already saturated at this point. Um, so there, there's really only one way to go, right? And that's and that's up. So how can people go and get their own Nature's Wildberry? Well, we're on the largest online retailer, so Amazon is where most of the people are going to search, find, and buy. Um, natureswildberry.com is where we send people. Everything that uh, you read right there came directly out of Lori's mouth. 
So she has been instrumental in helping us. Same with Mark. A lot of people ask us, you know, what have Mark and Lori done for you? And I'm like, listen, like in our eyes, we're still, we're still on day one. You know, we, we still are servicing the shark tank community. Um, but you know, very down, very detail oriented things, um, have come from them. So it's been a, a true blessing to get to be mentored in a way from people who have been there and done that. And now that uh, we have uh, finalized our our company and our formation, you know, we've got the ability to do really other cool things in the future. Like I think this time next year we'll be a public benefit company, Joe, which means that uh, for patients who really need us like, um, ALS medication. I don't know if you know this, but it tastes awful. And wow. there's other medications like that where people have written into us. Um, you know, people living with diabetes have written us to, into us saying that we've helped them lower their A1C over three months from 11 to six. Like we get these stories from time to time. And, you know, Mark, Mark is a, um, is kind of leading the way with his cost plus drugs and, and they're a public benefit corporation too. So I feel like, you know, there's an opportunity for us to reach patients and, and not uh, profit off of them, you know, like to, cause there's a difference between wanting it and, and needing it, you know? Yeah, no, I, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I, I know. I mean, obviously uh, medicines have different tastes. I, I did not know about the ALS uh, medicine being that nasty to, uh, to ingest. And so is it, is it, so is that sour or is it just nasty tasting in general? Um, so it's extremely, extremely bitter. So there are so many other ways that you can use the berry is, more than just turning sour sweet but because we hate making claims it's the only claim that we do make because it's just so obvious like you can't really deny that but it does help with bitterness it curbs bitterness as well um and so like people living with diabetes are uh prescribed bitter melon and i don't know if you ever tried bitter melon but it is no joke extremely extremely bitter and you take a berry and this helps this helps you make it palatable it's wild people uh across the country uh are used to pouring sugar in their coffee and we've got like cuban coffee and turkish coffee that's super super bitter and uh you can have a berry and cut your sugar in half or eliminate sugar completely because it it's it uh, masks that bitterness so uh, and then for, for savory foods because i'm a foodie it's, i just have it for almost every meal it just turns up that savoriness so like it like it makes it unlocks these flavors you haven't tasted before and it, it gives a depth to uh to the to whatever meal you're having so it's a lot of fun to experiment with but um but there's there's definitely a need out there for it. Like specifically, I talk about chemotherapy because both my parents went through chemotherapy when I was in my 20s. And you know, a really common side effect that we don't talk a lot about because it's uh, it's not our target market. But people that we could help for sure are people that have that uh, that metallic taste in their mouth. And we've had so many people say that, you know, when I really needed food the most and I didn't want to have it. I was able to eat full meals because the berry gave me my normal taste buds back. And that's not something that, you know, Giuliano and I take lightly. It's, it's like a, it's a quality of life issue. So we're going to build that charity part into our business and we've got the shark's blessing on that. And um, you know, that means that 
we'll probably you'll probably be able to find us in hospitals in the near future so wow that that is now i mean my dad went through chemotherapy as well and uh that was a tough couple of years uh yeah that was a tough couple of years um but he's doing all he's doing all good I, i i assume your parents are as well well, I've got the I've got the uh, perspective of both. You know, my mom's a survivor, and and Giuliano and I know that we wouldn't have the company without her uh, help. And then um, I also can relate to people that have lost a parent because I lost my dad too. And so that was part of the reason that um, when I you know it didn't air, but I did share with the sharks that when I became an emotional eater was because I was mourning the loss of my dad. And so uh, that's when you just eat and you just drink just to feel something and that's when you can only think of like your next taste bomb you know and so uh you know i i kind of feel like this is a little crazy for me to say but i kind of feel like there needs to be something built into our social safety net for bereavement like when when you have a significant other pass or whatever i kind of feel like we as a society should help people for like six months to a year just kind of get back on their feet and uh I don't know. There's so much that we could do as a society, make it a little bit better. But um, yeah, we kind of we get to shape that going forward and uh, nothing is set in stone. And if you can learn from anything, uh, it's that you don't know everything because who in the heck knew that there was a flavor changing berry out there? Right. Ding, ding. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, th- guys, I so appreciate both of you taking this time. It's uh, one of the longest interviews we've done. I know it always runs long when you have two people on a podcast, uh, <laughs> but I, I appreciate both of you taking the time to be here. And, uh, you know, you're welcome back anytime. And, and Hank, again, I appreciate you being a part of the super community and representing it so well. Uh, not just like that. Yeah, like, that is awesome. Big <laughs> day. But I mean, even still, just, you know, it's about being a, a person that wants to do better for the world and the people around them. And um, so I, I greatly appreciate you and, and you as well, Juliana. Thank you so much. Hey, thank you for doing what you do, uh, what you do, too. So, you know, appreciate that. And thanks for having us on. You know, it's an honor. Ding, ding. Absolutely. Absolutely. And thank you for making it all the way to the end of this interview. Greatly appreciate you making it. If not, uh, if, if you haven't watched their interview, go or their interview, their Shark Tank. Yeah, their Shark Tank interview. We'll watch them on Shark Tank over here. If not, I'll see you in the video over here. Take care and go be super.